with past state, Billy. And so in past state, when I joined Clubhouse in December, what happens in the early stages of a network startup, so network startup means anything that facilitates human connection, either through video, which was the case until Clubhouse, and Clubhouse added an extra layer on top, or rather a layer in between those two, which is audio. So what happens in that beginning stage, right from December to let's say April, which is the, probably the first real phase of Clubhouse, even if it's been around for quite some time, is the quality of the people in the network is A, very small. I believe I was the 500,000th user on the app. And the other piece of that as well is that the quality is very high. So in that type of interaction, when you're talking to different human beings or having these important conversations, it's a mind-blowing experience. It's amazing. You're meeting all these super high-quality people that you'd normally meet at these really expensive events, and you get to build all these important relationships with these individuals, which, which is obviously a gift, and it was a gift for, for me anyways when I started Social Audio. But now, as Social Audio starts to saturate, we start to enter the second wave. And the second wave is the platform starts to scale. More people start entering the app, millions and millions and millions of people. And even with something like Clubhouse, that that scalability is still restricted because it's still invite only. But we're already starting to see the effects of as a network platform scales, as more and more and more people enter the network, the quality of that individual in the network starts to go down. And by quality, I don't mean, you know, every human being is equal, but I mean more in terms of the perspective of how one talks. And most people, and I'm, I'm not going to hide either, a lot of people tend towards negative conversations rather than positive ones. Very small fraction of human beings tend to focus their life on the positive things in life, whereas the vast majority are generally focused on those negatives and as more and more of these conversations start to be replicated from the real world into the app, this starts to cause friction. So I'll give you an example to explain this. Let's say you're interacting with somebody on LinkedIn and you don't like them. Well, if you don't like them on LinkedIn, the people who might be against you, the people who don't like you, well, in that situation, it's very hard for them to gather in a space and have a conversation about how much they don't like you. It's not facilitated by the platform because it's decentralized, right? All these people are just around the place. They might throw a comment on YouTube or they might, I don't know, make a post on LinkedIn, but that's the, that's the extent how it goes through. But now, or they might even have a private Zoom call, but it, you wouldn't know about it and it, it's very difficult to scale. But on something like social audio, when everyone is against somebody when everyone is not in liking somebody. And that's not based on objective reality all the time. Sometimes it's just based on, Oh, this person said something I don't agree with. Oh, somebody did something petty. And it's, it's not necessarily always grounded in objective truth. Well, what happens on an app like clubhouse is now not only can you go against somebody, but you have the tools to start a revolution within the platform. And this is where the danger starts, because now let's say I didn't like, I don't know, John, right? Let's just name somebody random here. Let's say I didn't like John. Not only like, when I was on LinkedIn with John, I couldn't start like a conversation about him. And obviously I wouldn't do that, but you get the gist. But as on a clubhouse app, I could just start a room and say, I hate John, or I have a problem with John. 
And I'm also able to not include John in the entire conversation. And so now it becomes very dangerous because now you're having a one-sided conversation about somebody else and that somebody else cannot defend themselves. So it's a complete one-sided interaction. And the other danger with that is that room scales. It's not just about, I hate John, I'm having a conversation with seven people. It's, I hate John, and 100 people in the conversation, 200 people, 300 people, 400 people, 500 people. And this movement starts to scale, and then the 400th person who joins that room automatically believes that all of the allegations, all of the hatred, all of the put X rumor in is automatically true. And that, my friend, is really dangerous. So this brings us to wave three of social audio. What happens now? Well, some of these individuals, whether especially in our sensitive, you know, council culture-esque environment, it's very difficult for somebody to say their truth by their own perspective without being, you know, attacked by it. But now we're in a situation where the people who oppose one's viewpoint can now be armed with the tools to scale that movement within the platform that everyone is residing in. So this leads to people leaving. This leads to people fighting. But the problem is, and this is the big issue, the crux, is this just inning one here, or maybe even inning two of this baseball game, in the sense that once Clubhouse turns off the invite-only functionality, once this social audio app matures to the other side, where there's millions and millions of people, imagine the, the consequences of that more so from a negative perspective. There's going to be a lot of people having rude conversations. We might be even in situations where some, like let's say they want, to, they, they want to go after a job. So what do they do? They might create a fake room where you have 20 people talking really badly about John in a room, completely fake the entire thing and making completely believable, have everyone in that room block John and John can't do anything about it. And that, my friends, is the danger of social audio. So one of the things that stands out from what you just said, or at least one of the things I'm thinking about, is groupthink and herd mentality. You're, tell me what your thoughts on this, because I think the type of environment that exists on social audio, it's ripe for herd mentality because you... It, like you, you, you said revolution, and I think that's a perfect term because when you're able to talk in real time and kind of rally around a cause, whatever that cause may be, even if it's something as malicious and hurtful as canceling someone, even if they may or may not deserve it, regardless if they deserve it, because you are in this type of environment, you're a lot more likely to think like the other people. What... One, do you agree with that? Two, what are the things that these platform owners, Paul, Rohan, Spotify, whoever, what can they be doing proactively to minimize that reality? Absolutely. So, so first point to your question about groupthink, you're absolutely correct. That's, that's the perfect term to describe what's going on here. In terms of when somebody believes a movement, they just go and join it and, and then it grows and it might not be entirely grounded in truth always. And even if that number is 99%, let's say 99% of all those movements had legitimacy, because the number is not 100%, it still causes problems. It still causes 
issues, similar to how if somebody got imprisoned for doing something that wasn't their fault, well, even if that happens in 1% of the cases, let's say I'm just throwing an arbitrary number, that's still an enormous danger because anyone could fall into that 1%. So it's important for us to have an objective set of rules to determine how are we making decisions as to who stays on the platform and who gets essentially canceled out. Of course, you know, not to make this conversation entirely negative, there are positive sides of this effect. And we've seen that in the first couple of months of Clubhouse, where a lot of individuals in the app use that scalability as a force for good rather than a force for bad. And a good example of that is a lot of individuals raised money for, for legitimate nonprofits through the scalability of social audio. And it was huge success. But from that positivity also comes the darker side to social audio, which is to your point, the groupthink mentality is preventing us from making rational objective decisions, especially when Clubhouse has that functionality where people on the opposite side of the argument can then be kicked out of the room and not even participate and give their own perspective on what's happening. So the people in the room are not being given 100% of the POV. And a POV just means point of view. And, and that's definitely going to be a challenge. In terms of the second part of the question, what do the platforms do about this? <sighs> that's a challenging one, man. And the reason it's a challenging one is because the platforms currently are already struggling with this. Think about Facebook. Think about LinkedIn. Think about all of the, the platforms that we use day to day. They've already made different decisions through judgment that a lot of people are calling them out for. I'll give you a great example of this. Think about Donald Trump, right? His social media accounts got banned for life across all the platforms. But, and I'm not saying I'm a Trump supporter or any of that stuff. I'm using it as an example to talk about something that Shamath Paliapati and David Sachs talk a lot about as well on their podcast with David Freeberg and Jason Calcanis is now the big tech companies are getting a lot of power in terms of how freedom of speech is being delivered. Because now freedom of speech today, if we go back to the First Amendment of the United States, using that country as an example here, is a lot of that freedom of speech is now being dictated by the big tech companies. Think about Facebook, LinkedIn. Because if you get banned on all these social media accounts, most of your free speech in today's society essentially gets removed. But the added layer, and this is what makes Rohan and Paul's job so difficult, is what do they do in a situation where there's millions of people on the app, millions of conversations, millions of he shed, she shed, or I'm not pronouncing it correctly, he said, she says, and now they have to filter through all of those individually, that won't be possible, right? So they have to go case by case, but case by case is also impossible. So what do they do in that situation? I think the only thing left to do, David Sachs argues this in the pod that he did with Shamath and the gang, and he argued that there needs to be a set of rules that are based on the First Amendment of the United States as an example benchmark as to are these freedoms being exerted by the conversation? If the answer is no, that person should not be blocked. And the other side of it is if that person is blocked, there needs to be a reinstatement process involved to get them back on the platform. So similar to Trump, right? When he got banned on all the social media accounts, a lot of people got excited about it. They said, oh, right, this is great. We have to give big tech this power. But censorship always begins when you like it and always ends when you don't. What if somebody on your side of the political spectrum, on your side of somebody you believe in, then gets censored? Then we have a big problem here, right? So the challenge that Paul and Rohan now have is 
how do we create an objective set of rules of not only making sure that we're removing the correct people off the app, but that we're also giving them an opportunity to get reinstated back into the app through a set of objective rules. And it's also going to be interesting, especially at scale, to see what the government regulation will be around this. Because I do predict, based on all of the people I think about and I have conversations with, that in the next five, 10 years, we're going to be seeing a lot more regulatory Legislatory uh, legislation. We're going to be seeing a lot more of that in in the audio space, but not just audio, but social media in general. Here we go talking about the dangers of social audio, and you've beautifully shared not only the first part of my question, but the an answer to the first part of my question, but the second part of my question, and what should be done proactively. What what I'm currently thinking and what I'm curious about is what are the biggest dangers at hand? Literally when we get into a place and you, you said phase one, phase two, phase three, what is the, uh, what is the, the, the risk is the risk we'd lose these platforms. Are there other risks? And, and, you know, obviously there are like, what, what are some of those risks and will those where does the, the quote-unquote dangers of social audio, where does that lie in the risk to the platform going away in, compared to other factors? Meaning, that's kind of a, a bit meta, but there's dangers of social audio, but then there's dangers to social audio, and they're related, right? The dangers of social audio, audio is a danger to social audio. And so where does that line up compared to other risk factors that could bury this medium altogether? It's it's an interesting question for sure, Billy. Here, here's the way I think about it. I don't think, of, and I like your point, I completely agree with it, social audio is in of itself a danger to social audio. I think that's a great way of putting it. And the way I see it to build on that, I don't think it's going to be a government stepping in and saying, you know, everyone, guys, this is not going to work. We're shutting you down. I don't think that's the route because government regulation is generally slow, especially in the case with Facebook and the other apps. They still haven't moved on any legislation that's really moving the lead needle on any of this. So I don't expect that to happen for now anyways. What I am th- thinking about is the experience of the end user on the app. So let's let's look at the graveyard, right? What are the past startups? What happened to them? So essentially what happened in phase three, think about Shaper, think about all the different applications. Shaper's still around, but it's just nowhere near as, as big as it used to be. And another Russian app that I forgot the name of is what happens at scale is when there's a bunch of people on the app and there's no invite-only functionality, well, what happens? There's trolls in every room. Let's say we take Clubhouse as an example. There's really bad actors. I'm not going to say specific things, but you know, the people that we're talking about, you know, some people who are actually evil, not a huge percentage. Most people are good. But now that the, the platform is open to everybody, now you have really bad actors entering this platform as well, joining on these conversations, jumping into rooms, joining stages. So what happens in that situation? What happens is now that these individuals are there, the people who started in phase one of the process, people are really high quality, people who are genuinely good, people who are there to looking to build authentic, meaningful relationships. They don't have a space anymore on the app unless they hold private rooms, which then defeats the purpose of social audio itself. Because if I wanted to have a private room with you, say, 
why would I go on Clubhouse for that or any social audio app? I would just call you on a phone or jump on a Zoom call. So then the purpose of social audio fades, right? It, but, in, but going back to social audio itself, the social part starts to fade away if you remove the private room context because now every, per, every room, right, for every nine out of 10 good person on Clubhouse who starts a room, there's always, almost always going to be one or two bad actors in every single room now. So what happens there is now the experience for those nine people start to diminish considerably and they start to say things like, it's not what it used to be. It's not, it's not what I started with. You know, I'm not meeting the same people. My experience is changing. It's not the same. And those high quality people, as we've seen in previous startups in the graveyard that preceded Clubhouse, start to exit the app. For either the next big thing where that high quality network moved to, or as we network in in old traditional sense and back in the real world, those are the alternatives. Or of course, introductions from other high quality people. So all of these high quality people start exiting the network. So that means now, after the fa- the saturation of phase three, now we only have average people and bad actors. So now average people and bad actors, or you know however you want to label that. Now, these individuals aren't 100% incentivized to start a room. They're still themselves, you know, not, they're seeing some value in the app, but they're not really having those deep, meaningful conversations. And they get distracted by a lot of other things, right? You know, like sports games or different lifetime commitments. They won't spend a lot of time in the app. So, and then, but the bad actors will generally stay on the app because they have a specific purpose as to why they're there. And it's generally not good. It's generally malicious. So then as time goes on, the quality of the network will constantly, constantly decrease until there's nobody good left. And I believe the startings of that, we've already seen that culminate over the last couple of months. And I definitely expect that trend to continue. I fully agree. So let's let's look, look at real world, right? I'm thinking right now as you're talking of person after person after person who's left the platform. And one of the things I did, I don't know, a couple months ago is I reached out to a bunch of them and I said, hey, are you still on Clubhouse or how often are you on Clubhouse? And almost to a, you know, just like a high, well, not almost, a very high percentage said, no, I'm not really that active anymore. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm wondering when we think about retention, there's a few things that I think about. Uh, one is just because somebody faded out doesn't mean they can't come back but it very they very well might not come back so i'm wondering what it takes to get people who have faded to come back uh how likely it is and if that's the trend i mean how does that compare to other platforms call instagram i mean think about like the early days of instagram the early days of other platforms clearly people do ebb and flow go you know go in and go out people take it more seriously, less seriously. But I wonder if we were to quantify it and maybe we don't have the data, it would be a guess, but I'm curious how this platform compares retention wise. And then secondly, what does it take to bring back people who have kind of written off the platform as either a waste of time or not something that they want to invest time in? Right. So let's break this down to do broad character. I'm going to use Gary Vaynerchuk's words here that are really fascinating, I think are really relevant to this question. At the end of the day, content is divided into two key areas. The first area 
is education, and the second one is entertainment. So education, entertainment. So what happened in phase one of Clubhouse? So a bunch of these amazing people start entering the app, right? Still very exclusive, invite-only, high-quality people. And the incentive back then was, hey, if you want to add someone to this network, your face gets plastered on their profile. So you better make sure you're choosing the right people. So it's very, there's a lot of selectivity at the beginning. And what happens if we look at the, through the lens of education and entertainment, both of those rooms and both of those conversations thrived, or even a third category, which is a mix of the two, right? Edu, edutainment, so to speak, right? And, and what's fascinating about this, Billy, especially in the context of Clubhouse in the early stage, and then I'll, I'll tell you how it evolves over time where we're at today, where we're going, is everyone in the network was very supportive of every other room. So if you started a sex room, if you started something a bit more taboo with a good intent, of course, with a good intent, people would be very supportive of those, those rooms. Oh my God, it's such an important conversation. So good that you're talking about this. I'm going to come up on stage, support. And we also saw that with the different moderators on the app, especially when the app was, was very hot from December to, to March and before the club functionality, uh, before every moderator was allowed to start a club, the moderators were very collaborative. The energy is really high. People would pass off the mic from one person to the other. The people on the network were really high quality. And the conversations were, frankly, extremely good. So what happened? What happened? So what happened is as more and more people start joining the app, as more and more people start entering the network, well, first of all, the people in phase one start to get a bit more exhausted. They go, Man, this is a bit tiring. And the other perspective is now more and more individuals who might not be supportive of some points of view, who might not be supportive of some ways of thinking, start entering the room as well. And that's okay that we think differently. But the difference now at phase two at scale is now we're shifting from people who go, I don't believe what you believe, but I want to hear you out. Let's have a proper conversation. Let's have fun. Let's use Clubhouse for what it's meant to be, which is a force for good. I, I sincerely believe that. And Paul and Roham did a great job with that, especially in the early days. But then in phase two, it's it changes the conversation from, I don't believe what you believe, but let's let's come together. Let's have fun. Let's create these amazing conversations to, I don't believe what you believe, and you should believe what I believe. And that is dangerous. And the reason that's so dangerous especially in the context of Clubhouse, is now people can block you, people can start rooms against you, and all of these different dynamics that we don't see with other platforms. Here's a super easy way of thinking about it, again, from the context of entertainment and education. So let's focus on entertainment right bit. I, I think that's much easier to explain. So in the entertainment context, you can either be bland where you're up against nobody, you don't try and make jokes that don't insult any demographic whatsoever. And frankly, it's it might not be as entertaining. If you, if you don't try and be a bit more edgy or have some opinion about anything, it's kind of like watching the nothing. But the other piece of that is the people who are a bit more edgier. People are a bit more edgier. They, they make jokes that might not be uh, sensitive or might be a bit too sensitive to a specific group of people. Well, those individuals, if you focus on those groups, well, if the, we talk, we're talking about YouTube, we're talking about Instagram, we're talking about TikTok, those people are very open to creating on those apps and sharing their opinion. Why? Because the worst they'll get is a comment that says, I don't agree with you, agree, this is bad, yada, 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 I don't like what you say. 
but it doesn't it doesn't de-incentivize them from creating content because at the end of the day it's okay you have your point of view it's not ruining my day and i still get to create content that i believe serves my core demographic which matters right it's important that everyone has a voice but on clubhouse it's different and the reason it's different is if i don't agree with somebody else's jokes or someone else's way of doing things I have all the tools I need to cancel them in the matter of a few days. And that is a lot more dangerous than people think. What does that mean? It means edgier entertainers start leaving the app, which decreases the quality of the content on Clubhouse. But we don't see that with other apps because YouTube, we see a bunch of controversial figures on YouTube. But because they can create content without a live audience or people throwing tomatoes at them or creating rooms against them, Maybe they might make a reaction video to what they're doing, but that person's just not going to go watch that video. It doesn't matter. But on a clubhouse, on a social media app, that gets a lot more dangerous because people are mentoring this person's name. People are having 200 people conversations about this. People are in rooms. So all these edgier characters start to leave the app, which leaves the bland entertainers. So that's part one. Part two is the educators. We have... The bland educators, hi everyone, uh, we're going to talk about this topic and it's not very, it's educational, but it's not really, it's not edutainment. People don't want to sit through a three hour monologue uh, from, you know, talking about a topic that they don't, might not want to learn in. And then you have the edgier educators, the educators who are also entertaining, who might add a couple of more jokes, who might say some things that be a bit offensive, but overall 80, 90% we're, on, we're not perfect, right? 80, 90% of the cases. The content's super valuable. It's super entertaining. People are interacting. People are learning. People are growing. But those people also start getting canceled because those edgier educators, let's call them that, edgy educators, if they're on YouTube, if they're on Snapchat, if they're on all of these different apps, yeah, they do get hate maybe. They might get a hate comment. I get them myself. But it doesn't detract us from creating content versus on a clubhouse where somebody goes, oh, I don't like Brendan. But not only am I going to leave a negative comment for Brendan in his YouTube channel, I'm also going to start a room against Brendan on clubhouse with 200 people. And we're all going to try and block him simultaneously and get him canceled from clubhouse. If I say one bad thing, if I make one mistake, that will happen. And it's, it's, it's disturbing when you think about it that way. So what happens is now the best content creators, both from an educational land and an entertainment land, start leaving the app. So where, what does that leave us from a content perspective? It leaves us with brand, bland entertainers, and it leaves us with bland educators. So when you have bland educators and bland entertainers, well, now the quality of the content starts to go down. So now where does the future lead? What happens given all of these facts? So based on my analysis, what I predict is with the quality of the, the content going down now, less and less people want to engage. And the only people who will be left on Clubhouse, for the most part, not entirely, are either people who just want to have you know random networking conversations or just want to engage in some unhealthy, negative commentary, which is going to put Paul and Ron in a very tough spot. You know, the app they created that was designed for such good, and of course, they executed on that almost flawlessly, I would say, for the first three months anyways. Now the challenge is, wait a second. 
we have all these moderators who are now allowed to host their own clubs. They stopped collaborating with each other like they used to. And now all these best moderators are also leaving the platform and they're getting really exhausted. And now all these high quality moderators are almost non-existent. So what happens to the end user who now starts on Clubhouse? Well, now, Billy, in six months, the ecosystem that they're entering is diametrically different. They're entering a society where the law, most people aren't really high quality, where most people aren't really entertaining you or educating you in any way that's interesting. And you have to pick the content and you have to choose the right room and you have to follow the right moderators. So as we as time goes on, these apps become less and less and less interesting. There is one hope, though, that I'll leave you with. And the hope is this. I'm very confident in the idea that Paul and Rohan won't sell. And the reason I believe that is because we don't give them enough credit. They're ridiculously intelligent. They knew that those numbers were going to go down in February, and they did have an opportunity to sell. So my thought process is the reason they didn't, if you look at it just from an incentive perspective, is they probably exit out a huge multiple. That means they were able to take some of their winnings and put risk off the table. So I'm sure they've already cashed out some of their shares. That's one piece. And the other piece as well is if they didn't sell in December of last year, that means they don't want to sell at all. And the reason I, I, I understood that now was because I watched a Gary V episode last week and he really clarified that point of view. He says Clubhouse is a lot like Snapchat. And the reason he said that is because with Snapchat, what happened is Snapchat was this huge juggernaut, you know, $20 billion company, everyone to buy them out. And then Facebook copied stories, which is a feature. And now every platform has stories and Snapchat got punched in the face. But Snapchat got punched in the face, their, st their stock tanked. But Evan Spiegel picked himself back up. He figured out a way to reinvigorate Snapchat. He figured out a way to reinvent Snapchat. So now Snapchat today is a $100 billion company. They're doing really well. And they were able to move back. And Gary made a comparison with Clubhouse where Clubhouse is now getting punched in the face by, by seven different competitors who are now where social audio is going to be a feature throughout all of the apps. But now the question is, can Paul and Rohan then bounce back and create a 2.0 version of Clubhouse that is still lives on for the test of time or at least for the foreseeable future? And I think, I'm not sure if the answer is going to be yes, but what I definitely would put my money on is Paul and Rohan are definitely working hard towards that future and they want to make it happen, even if they got punched way earlier in the game than Snapchat did. Because Snapchat was a lot more mature before they got punched in the face by Facebook. Whereas in Clubhouse's situation, they got punched super, super early. It's like a knockout punch in round one versus kind of a decision match in round three with Snapchat's case. But I, the bottom line is this, because I've said a lot here. The bottom line is this. Number one, the content creation on the app is going to go down considerably from both the lens of education and the lens of entertainment. All the edgy creators, both from an educational perspective and an entertainment perspective, are still going to create content, but just not on Clubhouse. They're going to start YouTube channels. They're going to do Instagram. They're just going to keep doing what they did before because they don't want to be on an app where people can start a movement or a revolution against them versus the bland creators who aren't afraid of that because they're bland, right? That's one piece. And finally, the other piece is the, the hope piece. And the hope piece, in my opinion, is Paul and Rohan are definitely in this with the right intentions, I feel, or else they would have sold this company a long time ago. And they're going to try their best to recreate that Clubhouse 2.0 experience. 
I just don't know if it's going to be possible, but I definitely believe in their heart and their uh, skill set as a foundering team for sure. Well, what's interesting is that we lived through the good old days. We lived through the time where everything was great and the platform was at its peak. And we got to see firsthand what you described as this moment where really smart people, really interesting people were on the platform all together, all learning. And it was amazing. And as things evolved, more and more of those people have drifted away and more new people have joined who maybe aren't of the same caliber. And at least in terms of, let's just say interesting factor, like, you know, you want to listen to these people. There's going to, you know, everything from now there's the, there's the trolls to the bland people, you know, and the list goes on and on. So if those interesting people are gone, what does it take to get them back? I, I, I asked that before, but I, I want to make sure I, I don't forget to, to get your thoughts on that. And is it important that we get them back? Because maybe the decision is, well, we're not going to get most of them back, which probably is true. Who knows? But, but do we, is it in their best interest to get those people back or is it more important to get new people on who are, are interesting that maybe weren't on before? I, I feel like just my gut's telling me that's, that's a tall order to, to find really, really interesting people. But it's also a tall order to reignite a flame that's been extinguished and who, in a lot of cases, they have a bad taste in their mouth that maybe, maybe they didn't have a revolution thrown against them. Maybe they just felt like they were spending too much time. That was the the common complaint that I got when I did my poll of polls, <laughs> when I did my super uh, unofficial poll, which was actually just asking people that I've had relationships with and say like, "Are you on Clubhouse? You know, or how's it going?" Almost all of them said the same thing. It just felt like too much time. So yes, there's a revolution piece, but then there's the other thing that we can't discount, which is even when it was the heyday. A lot of them left in the midst of that, and they cited too much time being the reason. Curious what your thoughts are in terms of, you know, do we bring those, try to bring those people back? Does it matter if we bring those people back? Or is there another solution to keep the content at a level where people want to stay on the platform? Right. It, it's a challenge for sure to bring those people back. But I also believe that at the end of the day, and this is what's particularly challenging for an app like Clubhouse, is it's not enough to just be interesting. And it's important for people listening to this conversation to understand that. Because on Clubhouse, it's not enough to be interesting. You also need to be willing to spend some time on the app. Because unlike other social media apps where you can just delegate it to your media team and have them post your content across the platforms, you actually have to trade your time on this particular app. So what does that tell us? It tells us the only way to bring back these individuals, and I do think part of that strategy is trying to reignite that old flame because those individuals had more than just being interesting as a quality. They were also willing to play and trade their time to be on the app. And that's a very small fraction of influencers and individuals. So how do we fix this? The way that we fix this and it's, it's not easy at all. It's to bring back the incentives, and now it's a question of how do you recreate them, that people in December, people in January had when they started the app. So what does that mean? That means 
as moderators are constantly trading their time, if they feel they're meeting new and exciting people along the journey, then it's still justified to be on the app. I, I would say that's the number one thing. The second thing is ROI for time. So ROI means different things for different moderators. For some, it's meeting new people, having a great time, feeling good. For other moderators, and there's no good or bad, bad or good here, it's more just different varieties of the same sauce here, is an, another side of it's more like, you know, I want to get more clients. If I'm spending time doing an education room, I want to make sure Clubhouse is helping me get more clients. That's the second piece, which is also important, equally important as the feel-good piece. And then the third piece is I really want to make sure Clubhouse is making my experience as a moderator on the app absolutely exceptional. So that means if I'm taking time out of my busy schedule, and I don't mean me in particular, just a moderator in general, to be on the app, there needs to be a, hey, I really appreciate you taking this time. And I'm going to make sure that trolls and all these bad things are not going to happen to you. It's that experience. And I think an app that has done this exceptionally well, despite its flaws, it's not perfect, is YouTube. The reason why YouTube is such a behemoth is because they go up to content creators and they say the following. Look, it's not easy to grow on this app. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy to grow on YouTube. But what I will promise you is this. If you create high quality content on a consistent basis and people watch your stuff and the metrics show that people are watching your stuff, you can be successful and you can make a living on YouTube. And to make sure that we, cup that, we keep that promise, we're going to give you most of the organic growth that comes. We're going to be ranking your videos in search, provided you know how to do that as you mature as a content creator. And we will give you 55% of the ad revenue that we ourselves are generating, despite the CPM rate. If the CPM rate's 40 bucks per thousand, uh, per thousand impressions, we'll give you like more than 20 bucks. That's a very generous offer, in my opinion. And of course, YouTube has its flaws. YouTube has its challenges that we won't go over today. But, but the point is Clubhouse needs to start thinking about that. Not really in terms of we can do this concretely, but as an intellectual experience. I'll give you a good example here. A lot of the best education, enter, edutainer, content creators on Clubhouse, let's put it that way. Well, the experience when they trade their time in the real world is very different. Let me paint that picture for you. And I know you know this really well. It's more uh, for an educational perspective here. Let's say I trade one hour on Clubhouse in December. Here's my experience. Wow, this is amazing. I met some new people. Everyone's super high quality. This is great. And I got to stay in my pajamas. This is a really good experience. But now, in April, in May, in June, in July, in August, it's I start a room, same hour. Oh, a lot less people in this room. Oh, I'm not meeting any new people. And my room's a lot smaller. Why is that? What's going on here? I'm confused. So they're investing that same hour. So we're seeing that experience decrease. It's a downward trend. Let's compare that with, because most of these edutainers are also speakers. So the speakers circuit sounds something more like this, Billy. It's company calls you, hey, you know, we'd really love for you to speak. So you go to this event and then what happens? They buy you a drink. They get you food. They introduce you as someone really special. They make sure to pay you in advance. They treat you pretty well. So what is your experience at the end? Much like a date that goes well, you go, wow, I really want to see this person again. Well, I really want to do this event again. And that experience is consistent. That's why you see people like Les Brown 
who are still speaking after 30 years, not just because they love it, because they get to impact people, but because the experience of the people that they're curating, the events that they're selecting, they're treating them really well. And that experience is consistent throughout. And that's why people like Class, people like Tony Robbins, people like Brene Brown are still showing up. They're still presenting. How do we start to rethink the experience on Clubhouse to mirror that? Now, that is a challenge. That is the biggest challenge because Paul and Ron are in a tricky spot now. How do we take all of these incredible moderators and really treat them as partners to this app? Not as users, because that won't get them anywhere. And they already know that, I feel, as well. But more so than just community, partnership. The people in this app, people on the app. I'd even go as far as to say, Billy, and this is me thinking on my feet here, thinking out loud, rather, is I would even go as far as to say giving them equity in the company, bringing them as part owners in Clubhouse, having conversations with them on a consistent basis. That's how we start to change the dynamic. And that's that's the piece I feel Paul and Rohan aren't having a, a more active discussion about. And the reason I say that, especially in social audio, is because we're trading our time. They're not comparing. And they're not comparing apples with apples. Let me repeat that again for the audience. They are not comparing apples with apples. This is not YouTube. Because on YouTube, it's not experiences. I'm not comparing YouTube with my experience as a speaker on a circuit where I'm being given food or et cetera. I'm just using that to paint a picture. Because I don't have to be on YouTube technically. I just have to have a team film me for eight minutes and that's it. Like, So I'm not comparing that with the speaking. But when I'm on Clubhouse, I am comparing my hour with that $20,000, with that $5,000, with that $3,000 speaking engagement, because I'm trading my most valuable asset, my time. So if you want this to be worth people's time, you need to start asking yourself, what are they trading their time for in the real life? And then say, okay, well, that experience that they're getting right here is super valuable. So how do we bring some of that back? How do we do our best as founders to do that? And I don't think Paul and Rohan have cracked that. And I honestly don't think anyone else is going to crack it. But if anyone does, it's probably them. Wow. That was amazing. I am so, so with you on this idea of, of how do we incentivize? And there's plenty of examples out there that you can draw from. And how do you create the return on investment of time that makes being on the platform worthwhile. So w- let me let me let me shift slightly, but but more importantly, let me dig deeper into one specific area, and that is survivability of this platform. And the question that I have is, what is the number one thing that will make this platform die the fastest? And what is the number one thing that will make this com- make this platform thrive again? The two polar ends. So, what could be the de- demise of the platform, and what would be the contributing factor? And then, what could be the turnaround thing? Is it is it incentives? And I like what you said about making people partners, even to the point of equity. That's really fascinating. Can you imagine if they did that? Uh, I wonder how that would be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how that would be done? It would be fascinating to watch but I, I like outside the box thinking. So curious what your perspective is on what would be the fastest accelerator, either downward or upward. I would say biggest demise, Billy, is stalemate. So stalemate in my eyes means 
they don't step in as a platform and say, hey, we see the dangers of social audio. We need to put a stop to this. We need to figure out processes in place to make sure that every single voice on Clubhouse, I don't even care if that person's a troll. Every single user has the right to free speech. That, does that mean I like trolls? Does that mean I commend trolls? Does it mean I want them on the app? Absolutely not. But do I still believe they should have a voice? Absolutely. Because if we don't have free speech, that's when the problems start. And more specifically, that's when the problems end when no speech Actually, let me rephrase that again. That's when the problems continue if we're not able to remove or we're not able to moderate free speech in a way that is in alignment as an example to the First Amendment of the United States. I don't know if it's called Second Amendment or Fourth Amendment. Someone's got to correct me on this. But the point I want to drive is Clubhouse's number one priority is making sure that their process of removing people on the app is not flimsy. Because if it's haphazard, now we're going to run into some problems. Because if I can create a room just because I don't like someone and gather a troop of 200 people because I have influence on Clubhouse to just instantaneously block this individual, and that is enough to get that person banned, we have a huge, huge problem. Sure, for, for people who are bland, maybe, or for people that where they see other people getting banned in that way, yeah, they might be happy, but when it happens to one of their friends, that's when the conversation is different. That's when the conversation is challenging. So for me, it's not about whether I disagree with someone or not. Even the person who is my greatest enemy, even if I don't have enemies in the world, but even my greatest enemy should have the same access to free speech and should have the same access to reinstate their place back into the village if they so choose to do so. And there should be objective standards on how somebody is removed, why somebody is removed, and how somebody can get back in. Because if somebody can't get back in as removed permanently, we have a problem here. Because it means Clubhouse is choosing specific points of view over others. And that is a big danger, in my opinion. Because now you're starting to act like a regulator rather than a platform. And if you start to act like a regulator more rather than a platform, you start to take sides. And when you start to take sides, you go against your mission, which is to create a voice, a collective voice, so that people can share an ideas and collaborate, which is the first phase of Clubhouse that they did exceptionally well in, they have to keep that essence alive. And if they start regulating haphazardly, they don't have objective thought in the way that they're deleting people, in the way that they're reinstating people, if at all, we got a big problem in our hands. That's that's the greatest demise on Clubhouse. If I'm being honest, I don't think they'll solve it, and that will lead to its demise, but I hope for it. Absolutely. I, I think if anyone can pull it off, it's definitely those two. And the other piece of that is my predict actually i'll go to my prediction at the end but what is the thing that's going to come up what, what's the thing that's going to rise up i would say for me the contributing factor to clubhouse's success is that piece right reversing that can we create that set of objective standards that's one piece the other piece is going back to our poll and rohan having real conversations raw conversations about hey people are training their time let's compare apples with apples here Let's rethink the experience for the moderators and make sure we're including them as partners. doesn't mean we have to give them equity, but it's, it's a good statement so that people understand my point of view here. Is e- like, even if you gave me equity, even if you gave an ex- exceptional moderate equity, even with that piece in, they still might not moderate often. That's the extent that I'm driving that people need to start thinking about this, especially the founding team.
What are other ways in how we can reinvent the experience for the top 1,000, the top 2,000, the top 3,000 creators on the app, or even 10,000? You can put any number there, plug anything you want, that have literally been super consistent and making sure that they're protected. This is an important piece, making sure they're protected. It's not enough to just give them equity. You know, a lot of people might say, as listening, oh, equity is too much. Even if you give them equity, I still don't think it's enough. Equity is one piece of that. Well, you know, as an idea, like making them partners in the system, get, introducing them to really exciting people within the ecosystem. You know, an idea I thought of just now is like taking all the top moderators and creating events where they can all meet each other, something like that, that Paul and Rohan themselves are facilitating so that it's legit. And then the other piece which is the most important piece, and this is where it's, I think even if you give them equity, even if you did all of these impossible things, Billy, where it's going to fail is protecting them, protecting the moderators. Can we just give benefit of the doubt? I don't care if that, I, uh, that person is completely in disagreement with my beliefs and systems. I would give that person the benefit of the doubt even still because it's important to do that consistently across the board. And when somebody's moderating for four months straight, Billy, and then gets canceled for whatever reason, based on haphazard processes, that is a big, big, big red flag. Big red flag. So how does the turnover happen? Okay, the turn back, like the turn back moment. How, how do we get a turnaround? The way that we get a turnaround is by Paul and Rohan making a public statement saying, hey, you know, we're creators first. We want to take care of moderators. And to be honest, we haven't been doing that. We need to take ownership and really work together with the moderators, increase the communication lines between all the top moderators on the app, literally make a list of the top 5,000 people and make sure that we're doing user interviews with most of them. Because 5,000 isn't a big number for a four, five, six billion dollar company. I'm sure they could figure it out with a hundred million raise, right? They could have those interviews and really get to know the diverse city on the app, really get to know who they are. That's the turnover story that could work. And then they can use PR and all that beautiful stuff and say, hey, look, we're turning this around. We've had conversations with all these diverse people. And all, once, once those 5,000 people are all saying we love Clubhouse, that's when we got a winner. And that's when they're successful. So now prediction. I think this is a, this is a hopeful story. This is more of a fantasy rather than reality. Even if the ideas are realistic and in, in, if we think about it from a, like a ground perspective, I, I do think a lot of these ideas i would do this if i was the ceo of clubhouse but i also believe a lot of this uh, will not be met with the right ears even if i think paul and rohan i've utmost respect for them. i think they're really smart i think they've been very savvy since day one but i don't think they would see it my way and i don't think they would see it in terms of well Brad, i don't think we should add that much ownership that much value that much to the moderators and i think that will be their downfall unfortunately that that's where i see the the gap and it's going to be really hard for Paul and Rohan's team to reconcile that we have to treat these moderators like speakers at a conference. And to be honest, it's not that the founders don't want to do it. I don't think it's that. I think it's more the challenge, the logistics, the difficulties around doing that will make them eventually give up on the idea and not choose to pursue it. And that will be the, de de the demise where all of these top moderators leave. And they just continue creating content on asynchronous places. So where does this leave social audio, in my opinion? And we've already seen this slightly with Twitter spaces where they've already started limiting stages to, I believe, I believe the number, somebody can fix me, uh, fix this quote, but it's, I believe it was six to eight 
or 12, something like that. But it wasn't 25 people on a stage. I, I think we're going to see more of that. We're in the future, probably in a year's time, two years time, when social media, really, social media, social audio really matures as a platform. We're going to see very limited stages. We're going to see radio shows, but not interactive radio shows. Or if we see interactive radio shows, highly curated interactive radio shows where people are being pre-vetted long before the show actually begins. I'll give you an example. Justin Bieber comes on Clubhouse in two years. Maybe 1,000 people will be in the room, but and there's probably 500 of the trolls probably. But the five people who get to ask Justin Bieber a question, had to submit a form, had to go through this application process. Not, not exhaustive, but they had to like, show that they're real and they have a social media account, blah, blah, blah. And then those people come up on stage and that's it. That's minimal interaction. It's not what we've seen from the first wave of Clubhouse, right? First wave of Clubhouse is everyone comes up on stage and that was the beauty and the magic. But unfortunately, if Paul and Rohan don't set those objective processes in place, which I don't think they will, to be honest, and they don't properly incentivize the moderators, which I, I don't think they'll be able to crack in time, unfortunately, uh, at least in the next year, uh, they'll lose ask one final question and I'm very curious based upon all of this that you've just predicted, what would be the thing that would surprise you most in it and relate it to anything that you've shared so far? Uh, because I think ultimately you, you have some really thoughtful theories based on a lot of things that you've observed, things you've heard other people share, and then your own personal take on what's happening. What would surprise you the most going forward over the next year? I would say the thing that would surprise me the most, <laughs> I don't think this is possible at all, but I would be really surprised, is if Clubhouse had a customer support team for their moderators. So that means if you've been moderating, and obviously they'd be criteria to this, but if you've been moderating on the app for at least 100 hours, 500 hours, plug in the number that you want, in that situation you would have access to a support team where you can get on a call with people and fight for any issues that you have. And this also helps Clubhouse moderate all of the rooms and make sure those conversations are well thought out. So once again, this would this would be a line that wouldn't be open to every user. This would be a line that would only be open to the most uh, co coveted moderators on the app who have really clocked in real hours on the app. That's what I would be the most surprised by. If, if they do anything along the lines of let's invest more in moderators, that would really shock me and really interest me and honestly get me back on the app a lot more just wow. to see how it plays out. Wow. That would be, that's, that's a, we could do a whole battery of, of things that would uh, make the platform better that are unlikely to happen, but kind of like a wish list. That would be uh, a, a good follow up to this conversation. Okay. So I said that was my last question, but my final question is what haven't we explored as you think about the dangers of social audio? What haven't we explored that would be valuable as one final thought? I would say my final thought is my entire perspective, as Gary points out so well, is entirely based on the end user. The end of the, at the end of the day, right, with any social media, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Clubhouse, is we're mirrors. We're mirrors to who we actually are. Social media isn't changing us. It's reflecting who we already are and the experiences that we selfishly want for ourselves. And what Clubhouse did extremely well in the beginning is that that was really effective, right? I really wanted to be on Clubhouse. I got to meet all these brand new people. We, there was that excitement. 
like the first three months of a relationship, you don't know what's going to happen. You meet somebody new. Oh, I met this person on a Zoom and I met this person on a Zoom. And of course, going back to the end user, when that experience starts to change, whether you're a moderator on the app or whether you're an audience member, and this could be through different ways, to your point, the dangers. Oh, people are hating on me now. What's happening? I've been hosting these rooms pretty regularly for many months. Why is this happening? Whether it's people getting kicked off the app for no reason, whether it's, oh, I don't get to meet anyone new and exciting anymore. Whether it's, wait a second, I'm spending a lot of time here. Well, when I used to spend two hours at a conference, they wouldn't treat me like this. Or whether it's, you know, I don't really feel like I'm getting the better end of the stick for being on Clubhouse. <sighs> now we have a problem. And this is the, the thought I'd love to leave people with. Whenever you're making decisions, whenever you're thinking about where's the future of anything, especially in the context of social media, always think about the end user. Always think about their experience. Every type of end user, not just the person on stage who's talking, but the person who's in the audience listening. How's their experience shifting? Is it shifting for the better? Right? Like Instagram is such a good example of this. Yeah, sure, a lot of us hate these models. We hate these uh, glamours. But why do those posts get so many likes? Well, because human beings want to consume the content. The data speaks for itself. You know, men, women, they all lie, Billy, but numbers don't. Right? And the numbers are clearly going down with Clubhouse. So from that perspective, um, I'd love for people to think about their own points of view and develop their own theories around social media by always focusing on the only thing that matters, which is the end user. And I'm done speaking. Okay, but you made me think of one final, final, final question. <laughs> I can't Sorry. resist. If you had to predict the series, let's just say that Clubhouse will go away. And it and it just and it won't survive. It'll be it'll be in the graveyard as you describe of, of of the other platforms, the periscopes of the world, the blabs and so forth. What give me like a play by play? Like what's the first domino to fall if you were to predict and you have your crystal ball in front of you? Walk me through a a timeline of events of what happens leading up to and during the final days of Clubhouse. Sure. So the first dominoes already fell. And the first domino for me was the, the uncontrollable realities. Once again, not Paul and Rohan's fault. The uncontrollable realities of social audio at scale. They're doing their best. They're managing teams. So what happens at scale is a lot of these trolls start entering the app. We started seeing that in the first couple of months of Clubhouse where you know trolls would enter the app it'd be really surprising we didn't really know how to deal with these types of situations and that was the first red strike the first domino started falling and then the app started to mature and the next domino was hate speech hey what's happening i'm being singled out as an individual for doing absolutely nothing wrong or not having a fair shake not being allowed to enter the room that's the second domino where Traction starts to go down. A lot of the influencers, a lot of the famous people start to leave. And then people start creating rooms around those individuals who they might not like, they might have an opinion against. And, and then those, those rooms start to rally as, you know, in some cases, some moderators who are, a bit, who are a bit more malicious want to grow their own rooms. So the best way to grow a room is to focus on negative title rooms rather than positive title rooms. And that's what we've been seeing a lot on Clubhouse, especially in the last 60 days, I would say, 60, 90 days. That's the second domino. Third domino is all of these good intention, positive, amazing moderators who stuck through, Billy, 
who's, who's stuck through all of the declines in the rooms, like the, the real, how do we, how do we coin this? The generals of clubhouse, the moderator generals, military generals of clubhouse who through thick and thin stayed loyal to clubhouse, despite all of the challenges still stay on the app. Those people will start to leave. The generals will start to leave the building. That's domino three. That's the biggest one I would argue. Once that domino falls and all of the generals have left, the only thing left now are the the well the people who are trying to break into the fortress, right? All the 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 bad actors start entering the app. The people who aren't really uh, you know at the caliber that the generals once had, they they start flooding the fortress. They start flooding the castle. Not much, just bit by bit, right? And we're already starting to see that bit by bit as as Clubhouse continuously releases in new and new countries. It starts happening bit by bit. The fourth domino is Clubhouse removing the invite-only functionality. So they remove the invite-only functionality. So now anyone can join the app. Anyone can join the social audio app. We see one last flood of a generally speaking average people. Cause if you couldn't get an invite at that point, obviously there's exceptions, but in general, if you couldn't get an invite at that point, you're probably not super high caliber. So all those people are left on the app, but there's no more generals to, to, to lead them. There's no more lieutenants to say, welcome to clubhouse. It's like a desert Island deserted. There's nobody there. So some of these bad actors start to jump into rooms and start to have fun. They're like, Oh, it's going to be a fun two weeks, like a quick spurt. Let's go jump in and make fun of people. And the people who dare to create uh, uh, rooms in that environment will be met with um, with a lot of attacks, similar to that crab story. Uh, I don't know if you know the story, Billy, but essentially you put crabs in a bucket. Nobody does anything. But as soon as a crab starts to leave, starts to move, all the other crabs pull them down. And that is the environment that's starting to procreate on, on Clubhouse. That's what we're starting to see fester. And then when that mentality happens, the average lifespan of a moderator on Clubhouse, and we've already seen these numbers going down dramatically, are, are going to go from 90 days where it used to be. That's the number we agreed on back in the day. And now that number is probably 30 days, 15 days. It might even become seven days. And then when it's less than seven days, the fifth domino is nobody dares to start a room that's educational, that's entertainment, that's useful for people, whether it's to make them laugh or whether it's to teach them something, and then there's nothing left. And then the only thing left, I would say, are people who, who might be influential, might jump on Clubhouse, but uh, won't bring up any audience participation whatsoever. It's just going to be you listen to me and that's it. But uh, that also won't happen on Clubhouse either because at that point, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook will say, hey, Naval, hey, Eric Weinstein, hey, Gary Vaynerchuk, you already got $3 million on LinkedIn. Why don't you just come in our audio app? You can do the same thing. You don't have to bring up anybody, and you can just talk your mouth, talk your shop for two hours. You don't need Clubhouse anymore, and that will be the end. So one thing I'm confused about, though, is you, you've been very clear that you're impressed, that you admire respect, at least, Paul and Rohan, and that you said that you said they're smart. You said they're smart guys. Yet you also said that they clearly don't want to sell and that you'd be very surprised if they sold. So if they're smart and they don't want to sell, aren't they making a misstep by not doing that? Because frankly speaking, if what you've just described, most of those things, or at least half of those things have already transpired, the rest are imminent. And 
clearly that happening in the way in which you've described, that's an exit the wrong way without any financial benefit, but an exit another way could yield literally billions of dollars. So what's the disconnect between what they, what their intentions are, what, what they want to do and their intelligence and their savviness X, Y, Z and what they're actually doing? Ah, so that's the ace in the hole, Billy. So what's the ace in the hole? It's kind of a similar analogy. You know, you bet on a fight, let's say in sports or you bet on a sports game and you're a hundred percent sure you're 99% sure that one team's going to win. And out of nowhere, Billy, nowhere, you didn't see it coming. You didn't see the strategy. You're like, I've never seen that in my life. There's a turnaround and the other team wins. That's why I'm impressed by Poland Rohan. And here is the, the big mystery. Let's call it the, the ace in the hole, the Joker card, the, the, the last bullet in the, in the gun, whatever you want it to be, whatever you want to call it. There's, there's, there's definitely a lot of respect and admiration after Paul and Rohan. And let me give you an analogy to explain this best. So when Facebook copied Insta, uh, sorry, when Facebook copied Snapchat, when Snapchat refused to sell to Facebook their stories and, and started Instagram stories, they completely obliterated ins- like Snapchat. Evan was on his feet. Stock went down to like $6 a share. We, we thought Snapchat was gone, like it was game over. And to all of our surprise, including me, by the way, if you had told me to buy Snapchat stock four years ago, I'd have laughed you out of the room. You're crazy buying Snapchat stock. You're absolutely out of your mind. And boy, was I wrong. I was wrong because Evan did come back on his feet. I don't know exactly what he did, but based on my understanding, I didn't use Club Snapchat much, but he made it a lot more fun. He appealed a lot more to younger people. He created new tools, new creative ways of thinking about the app. And now even Gary Vee's back on Snapchat, which is super interesting. And they were able to bounce back. But the way he did it was unique to him because he knows the product. He's the founder. But the, the only question I don't have an answer for you today, Billy, is how do Paul and Rohan actually turn this around to make this a potential win? Because going back to them selling, you're absolutely right. If they, if they didn't believe that they could make this work, they definitely would have sold pre in December. They would have sold a long time ago at the $4 billion mark to Twitter or something, and that would have been the end of it. But the reason they don't sell is because they think they can do the same thing as Snapchat did. But now the question that remains, and unfortunately I wish I had an answer for, is how do they do that? And what is the exit? How do they actually win? Because they don't want to sell, in my opinion. I could be wrong once again, but that's my belief. And they need to figure out a way to weave themselves out of this hole. And they they might have to take seven more punches and then reinvent Clubhouse to a newer version for something, maybe a specific industry or a niche, depending on what their product vision is. And I still think that reincarnation is possible, but... The, and that's why I don't discount them as founders, even if I do think there will be a demise to Clubhouse. But the last point that remains is what does that reinvention look like? What do they actually want out of Clubhouse? If they're not selling, then what are they trying to achieve at scale with all of the problems? And that is a conversation for another day that I don't unfortunately have an answer to. Perfect cliffhanger. Brendan Kumarasamy laying it down the dangers of social audio predictions for the future and what it takes to have that ace in the ace in the hole become the reality 
and the turnaround story, the come from behind victory, grabbing it from snatching it from the jaws of defeat. Can Paul and Rohan do it? Can they do what they think they're able to do, which has allowed them to have the confidence to not sell and to keep going on their own? It's the David and Goliath story. Will David be here in the future? I can't wait to see. Brendan, thank you for being on this special episode. And I cannot wait to uh, hear people's feedback. So let us know what you think of this one and let let us know what predictions you have. Please uh, share, send us a DM. Let Brendan know what you think by going to Master Talk, which is his YouTube channel. Watch some of his videos there. Comment on his videos. Subscribe. And then, Brendan, where else can people find more of your brilliance? And how can they get signed up for either your group coaching plan or any other programs that you offer? Of course, Billy. So definitely Master Talk's the best way to reach out. You can go on the YouTube channel, like you mentioned. So, well, one word, Master Talk. You can go check that out, my free videos. And if you're someone who wants coaching, you want to take it to the next level, you'll find all my contact information there on the YouTube channel, my email, Instagram. We can set you get you set up with a call to talk about um, how we can help you master the art of communication through a coaching program. Thanks, Billy. Stop. Don't leave yet. If you made it this far, please listen for just one more minute because I have something to tell you. I can't tell you how much it means that you took the time to listen, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. So what do I want to tell you? I want to let you know that I'm here to serve you. If you have suggestions, ideas, possible guests, show topics, anything you'd like me to cover on future episodes, please let me know by sending feedback to for the love of podcast forward slash feedback. I want this to be a two-way street, not just me talking. I want to know what you want from this show. Ultimately, you will help decide what this show is and how it best serves you to make better podcasts. If you like this show, let me be blunt. The best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platforms. This is so important and it will help so much, especially during these early days as the show gets started. One more ask please consider sharing this show with your friends on social media to help spread the word. All right, that's it. Until next time, please remember everything we do, we do it for the love of podcast.